0: Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com, and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair, and let's get started. Hi everyone. You know, I keep thinking back to when I first started homeschooling and my thoughts just go immediately to the fact that I had no clue. I was full of questions with very few answers and I had several children that I needed to homeschool. I didn't know where to start, how to accomplish it, needed someone to give me some quick tips and a few basic ideas and point me in the right direction to get me started. So that's what we hope to accomplish in today's episode of the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. We've actually taken questions from uh, people that have sent them in via email or asked them on our social media channels and we're bringing those questions in and I'm answering them and today uh, we just really want to get to the nitty-gritty of what concerns you might have and try to answer those questions and give you some solutions to help you get started on your homeschooling journey. But today's podcast is sponsored by our friends at Time for Learning. Timeforlearning.com. You know, I wouldn't advertise a product that I don't believe in and trust me. I've used time for learning myself with my children for many years. I used it in preschool with my youngest when I was homeschooling the older children. And then I use it now for high school for my two youngest children. And so it's one of those curriculums that you can jump into. You can get started pretty quickly. It offers tools like reporting and grading, engaging lessons for the kids, and easy access 24-7. And basically, if you have the internet, you can use this curriculum. It's a trusted provider to hundreds of thousands of homeschoolers, including me and my family. And this month only, we have a special offer for the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast family. So first-time users can get their second month free with the promo code H-S-L-I. Again, that is your second month completely free for first timers. Just use the code H-S-L-I. Okay, now let's get on to our podcast and all of those frequently asked questions. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with the first question that was sent in. Um, This one is from someone in Arizona. And she actually says, if my daughter currently attends public school, what do I need to do? Or what steps do I need to take to homeschool her? And that's a really good question, because I know a lot of parents are really nervous about just branching off on their own and starting homeschool. And so that's that's a valid concern. And the very first step that you need to take as a homeschool parent is to check out your homeschooling state laws. That's super important. So take the time to do that. Find out what um, your state requires of you before you actually begin to homeschool. And then you'll know. So if there's something that your state requires other than just withdrawing your child and starting a homeschool, you need to take care of that. There are a lot of states in America that don't have many requirements. And so it makes it very, um, I don't want to say easy, but very simple to just get into homeschooling. And so then a couple other questions that go along with this. Can you homeschool for preschool? Absolutely. And really, I don't think that any states have laws surrounding preschool because preschool is typically not mandatory. Um, Mandatory school age is usually six for the most part. Um, Of course, five if your child is a little younger for kindergarten. Um, So yes, absolutely, you can homeschool preschool. But of course, with that, I want to encourage you not to Um, Push the schooling on a preschool child. Just keep it light and simple and fun and play games and have a good time with it. Make sure it's a lot of play and not heavy school time. Um, Of course, there are a lot of other organizational questions that go along with this, and hopefully we'll work through these as um, as we go through the questions that have been sent in. Um, So another question that really has a lot to do with getting started, a lot of parents are asking about online school, homeschool, virtual school, and they're all really confused about what the difference is. And rightly so, because most states have what has come to be known as a virtual school and so if you are, for example, I'm in I'm here in Georgia, and Georgia has a virtual academy or a virtual public school. And so technically that is not homeschooling. Technically, you are still enrolled with your county's public school system. So if you choose to do virtual schooling, which I think a lot of schools are actually Moving in that direction for at least the fall term, um, so we can get the 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 quarantine and the COVID, and the virus, all behind us before they really go full fledged into back to school. Um, so virtual schooling is going to be you still registered with your local public school district. All right, so if you decide to go that route, that is a very viable route for you and. Um, this temporary homeschool situation that everybody's in. So uh, the only thing that we can say about that that we have noticed as homeschoolers is that um, the virtual schools will have you be more accountable. You are accountable to them. So you don't have the freedom that a typical homeschooler would have in that they can just choose whatever curriculum they wanna choose. They can set up their own schedule, they can set up their own calendar, what days they're actually going to homeschool and what days they will choose not to homeschool. You don't get that option with a virtual school. You have a schedule, you have the school systems calendar, you will have to log in at specific times and you will have to be accountable to a teacher. Um, So those are some things to consider Um, however, (laughs) homeschooling and then online schooling, of course, online schooling would come under homeschooling. It is just one option that you have as a homeschooler. Okay. So think of these, trying to make this really clear here, you have virtual schools over here where you are still enrolled in the public school system. So then you, if you choose not to go that route, you become a homeschooler. You withdraw your child from the public school system, and then you have a choice. You have a choice to do online, private online instruction, or you can do textbook instruction as a homeschooler, or you can, you really the sky is the limit once you make that step. Then you've been handed all the freedom that you could ever want in educating your child. So that really is the difference. There are two routes here, two main paths, virtual schools and staying registered with your public school system or um, declaring independence from that, withdrawing your child from the school system and declaring that you are a homeschooling family. And so then you have options. And hopefully we'll get into some of those. Um, But while we're talking about public school, um, we've had a lot of questions about the fact that this could be just very temporary homeschooling. And so parents are thinking, oh, maybe it'll just be a semester, or maybe just this year we'll homeschool. And so if you fall in that category as a parent who just wants a temporary solution until it's safe to go back to the public school system, then you're going to want to keep in mind some things, some things that will make it easy for your student to get right back into the public school system. And so, yes, it's true. If you are thinking that route, then you might want to stay with your state's virtual school. That would be the easiest route um, for temporary homeschooling and jumping right back into it all um, at the public school. But if you really don't want to do that and you want to experience this year of freedom and learning and just kind of work with your child outside of the box of of typical schooling, then you're going to want to make sure that you keep good records. You're going to want to make sure that you track their grade reports. You do everything, of course, according to the homeschooling laws and regulations for your state, and then your records need to be very well kept so that at the end of the semester or the year, you can easily show them what you've done with your child, how they've progressed, and there should be no problems getting right back into the school system as long as you have good records. All right, another big, huge question that we get a lot is about accreditation and Um, a lot of parents are concerned that their homeschool be accredited or that they use a program that's an accredited program. And really, you know, if you're just, you might have a viable concern if you're just temporarily homeschooling and you just want to get them back in there. But for the most part, from my experience and what I've seen over the years is that accreditation is really not an issue. It's not a fundamental requirement for homeschoolers. Um, Some homeschoolers just feel comfortable being enrolled in an accredited program. However, I have homeschooled for 15 years. I have six children and four have actually graduated from our homeschool and have gone on to college or university or tech school and I have never used an accredited program. Um, Now, the Private school that my oldest two started in was accredited before we withdrew them and began homeschool. But that was elementary school, and it didn't it didn't make any difference at all. Um, never once have we received a question from a college or university when we were registering, trying to gain admission. Never once did they ask, uh, "Was your program accredited?" All they wanted to see was a transcript that really, really spelled out what. They were learning what they were studying and their achievements and how well they did. And so as long as you keep good records, I think everybody is good. Accreditation really is not a huge issue for homeschoolers. Uh, organization questions. We've gotten a lot of questions, just practical questions on how to Now you've made your choice, you've gone and you have decided you're going to be a full-fledged homeschooler and you're going to break out into this, you know, the whole homeschool scene, embrace the freedom. How do you get it organized? How do you plan this this thing? And so just to start from the ground up, um, what I would tell my homeschooling friends is once you've made this decision, of course, as we've already talked about, you want to make sure you followed your state's homeschool laws. And then you want to kind of get a little introspective. You want to make sure you know what your purpose is in this. And I encourage people to homeschoolers to write down the reason why you start homeschooling write down what's on your heart right now for why you feel it's so important to begin homeschooling this is your purpose this is your big why and if you write that down hang on to it because homeschooling and through the whole next this next whole year you're gonna have some ups and downs and when you hit those downs Pull that out and read it, it will help you regain that inspiration, help you re-embrace that why, the reason why you started in the first place. And then um, let's get into the more nitty-gritty stuff. So once you've done that and you've kind of written out your why, you want to think about yourself, your family, your lifestyle. What kind of family are you? What's your day typically look like? Are you really relaxed? Are you laid back? You know, nobody really has schedules. We just have a routine and we're chill then you want to be probably more a relaxed homeschooler and embrace relaxed homeschooling methods and styles of teaching. And so things like Charlotte Mason or Waldorf or even the eclectic or relaxed homeschooling methods would really work well for you. But if you're on the other side and you thrive on schedules and you like to be very organized and meticulous about everything, then you might want to consider a more traditional approach or maybe even classical education or homeschooling. So you need to think about that. Discover your homeschool style. And it may be a combination of a few. Or it may, it may not look like any that are typical homeschooling styles. But you need to embrace what you feel is right for your family. And um, write that down too. Write that. Write what you're thinking. Work through this as a process. And then... Once you have that sort of nailed down, this is kind of, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to teach it like this, or we're going to, you know, have total student-led discovery learning. Whatever you decide on is going to be unique and needs to be particular to your family and your lifestyle. And then move into looking at your children. How do they learn? Because as unique as your family is, your child is unique as well. Every child in your family is unique, and they will have particular learning preference or something in particular that motivates them to learn and so look at your children play with them do some learning activities if you don't already know what motivates them discover that so this is your research time You're, you're trying to discover things about yourself and your family about your child And trust me, these are really important steps. They're very important homework for you as a new homeschooling mom because you're going to be bringing these things together, looking at this big picture, and then matching up a curriculum or homeschool program or tools that support you in these things and you know, I found over the last 15 years, and I'm just sharing this with you because I don't. I want you to learn from my mistakes and the things that I've learned over the years. But if you bring all this together and line up your curriculum to match these things, to support these things, they enhance your your lifestyle. They enhance your what motivates your child. Then you your homeschool is successful. You have you have a joyful experience which is, I think, what all of us want. We want to homeschool our children and enjoy it and love it as as uh, we at homeschool.com like to say. Um, so it's really important to go through this period of discovery and, and determine these things and then move into finding a curriculum that supports those. And I just wanna encourage you to visit homeschool.com um, the top of our menu nav under curriculum, we have a resource guide. And that is a place where we have, it's a tool that we have designed to help you find a curriculum that meets your qualifications. What do you need? Uh, You can enter everything that you need in the finder and it will narrow down curriculum that aligns with that. It's a really good place to start to weed out the, my goodness, plethora of resources that are out there um, and bring it down to a handful that you can work with and really inspect and research. And so at that stage, I want to encourage you to take that handful of resources that you've discovered and uh, take them for a test drive. Uh, Try them before you buy them. Don't just jump right into something. Oh, this looks great. You know, we have I always have that problem. I still have this problem to this day. I go to a homeschool convention and everything looks so amazing. It just is just wonderful. Um, this looks so much fun. This looks like so much fun. Oh, let's try it all, all the things, you know. So you have to limit yourself and you need to try them out and see if they actually really live up to your expectations or your, your children, your learners really enjoy them. So I'd encourage you to uh, request free samples if they're written materials. I would encourage you to, if it's an online resource, to see if they have like a free trial period or uh, some demos that you can watch and maybe interact with. But whatever you do, do your you take it for a spin before you actually put down that money and invest in your curriculum for the entire year. All right, so now you've got the curriculum, you're at that point in time, and um, you, you're you wondering, oh my goodness, how do I plan this? How do I take this curriculum and bring it together and just make this cohesive plan? Um, well, the first thing I suggest that, that you do, this is what I do, this is my own personal experience, um, Other people may do it slightly different, but I like to start with my calendar first and just kind of look over the year, um, decide, are we gonna be five-day homeschoolers? Are we gonna be four-day homeschoolers? Are we, what are we gonna take off for times? What um, What are we gonna do as far as Christmas and holidays? And I just lay that all out for our homeschool year. Now in the state of Georgia, they do like us to homeschool 180 days. So I do attempt to put 180 days in my calendar, however I choose to do that. And then I break that up into two semesters. And then I usually divide that those semesters up in half again. And so I have four quarters. And it, it kind of works well for me to take those four quarters. And then I take whatever curriculum or program I've chosen and fit what I need to study finish that curriculum into those four quarters. Um, You can do yearly goals, you could do semester goals, however, but I like to do it that way. And then I just take it a quarter at a time and I break those down. Um, I use a planner. In fact, at homeschool.com we have a, a free sanity saver homeschool planner, which I absolutely love because it has Planning pages that help you do this that help you take your yearly goals and break them into quarterly goals. And then um, from there there are weekly plan pages. So you have enough weekly plan pages to plan your whole year out. Um, it also has a lot of other great stuff like field trip planning, attendance records, and um, meal planning pages. So it helps you kind of all around keep the keep the home going. Um, but anyway. I, one big tip about planning this out, I don't like to um, plan further than a week <laughs> or so, maybe two weeks at the most, because I end up erasing everything that I've planned and it's ridiculous. So I just take my quarter and I break it up, maybe break it into months so I know, okay, this month we've got to cover at least this, and then I'll plan a week in advance. And um, then that way, if something happens, you know, we've got doctor's appointments and they had to reschedule. And next week is, you know, I'm missing two or three days out of next week. You don't have to erase it and start from scratch. You just, you know, one week out keeps things fresh and (laughs) true to real life. But anyway, that's how I do a basic plan. Um, A lot of people have asked, how do you arrange your subjects for the week? Some people, uh, especially elementary levels, really bring it down to um, language arts and math, and then they just kind of sprinkle in other stuff. I've had a question from Katie that um, asks about combining lessons for multiple age ranges and grade levels, and that's a really good point because if you have lots of kids, as, as I did for a lot of years, I'm down to just two now, But a lot of years, I had six children to plan for, and that can get crazy. It can really be (laughs) mind-boggling. Your sanity is in question sometimes with six children. But the best way to do that was to uh, allow their language arts and their math to be particular to them. Well, at least some of their language arts, maybe the grammar and little specific things like vocabulary, because levels differ. But I would keep those specific to each child. And then I would try to teach them all together on things like history and science. And then I would give the older children assignments that took the lesson deeper. And so um, really would encourage you to consider that if you have children um, in, you know, multiple ages and a lot of children, it really helps you save time It helps you really to do some fun things together. You know, that was one thing that I felt um, when, you know, because at first, when I first started homeschooling, I really kept everybody separate. I thought I had to be like a classroom. And it was so difficult because I was trying to do all these subjects with all these kids all separate. And it was insane. But when I started teaching them together, it was so much fun because we could do things enjoyable together. We could do experiments together. We loved a, excuse me, a history series where we could create these history projects that went along with our lessons and we did them all together. It was very fun and enjoyable. So combining multiple grades and ages together really makes for a a really great homeschool experience. Um, A couple other questions here about scheduling. People are asking about combining um, spelling as well. And one solution that I found early on, and I, I, we actually still use it, is a, a free online option for vocabulary and spelling called Spelling. Well, it's Vocabulary Spelling City. Um, and you'll find that, I think its address is spellingcity.com. And it's just, it's awesome because you can input all your lists. And you can set your kids with assignments and just, they can go at it independently. Um, It also tests them. You can set up what you want them to do each week. At the end of the week, they'll have a test. It grades it and scores it and keeps it for you. So that was one of the best things that really helped save my sanity with six kids and spelling. Um, They've asked about PE. Yeah, with PE, we just kept... PE super fun and did fun things. We would go for bike rides. We would, as long as you're doing activity. Another thing we like to do was take advantage of our local rec leagues. So the kids were typically enrolled in baseball or softball um, locally here at our um, ballpark. And so that was a great way to. Uh, Learn about team sports and things like that, following rules and and just teamwork and all of that good stuff. Um, But also can count as your PE. So as you can see, there are a lot of things you can do that are out of the box. They're not traditional, what we would think of like, you know, classroom learning. But they are really great ways to learn, but also super fun while you're at it. All right. So a question. Oh my goodness. We see this a lot, a lot. Um, how many hours a day should we aim to teach or learn for? And really that as a rule of thumb should be different across the board. It should, um, it should just be according to your child's age, grade level, according to their maturity. Uh, so, you know, kind of, Super general rules. i do not take this as a, as law or you've got to do this, but little people, you know, I would say preschool, kindergarten, first grade, even less than an hour Um, and super fun. Lots of play. So they don't even really know that they're schooling. (laughs) <laughs> or homeschooling you know so it's so much fun they're having a great time doing it and they're like mommy let's do this again tomorrow you know so that's the way it should be when they're asking you to do it again the next day that's you've succeeded you're you're great <laughs> um, for the little older older kids I would say a couple hours and then in high school again that depends you know if you're If you're not doing a college prep track, there's no reason for you to be spending gobs of time. Um, Some students who are on a, a, you know, a serious college prep track or maybe are involved in dual enrollment at a community college, they may be spending four to six hours a day. And that's that's not unusual. Um, One of my children did. Uh, dual enrollment, and toward a nursing degree program, and which she's currently doing right now, full-fledged college, but she did that as dual enrollment, and so she was get, wiping out her core courses, and she was spending between four and five hours a day. Now, if your student is not planning on doing that, and they're taking your basic high school courses, I would think three to four hours a day, maybe plenty. So again, remember, it's, Very unique. Everything about homeschooling is unique and should be specific to your family and your children. Your child. Um, Another question is what non required subjects do you teach? So that's something that I love to use, especially as they get a little bit older, to get them motivated. So ask your child. What do you want to learn? Is there something that you are just really excited about or something that has piqued your interest that you would love to just know more about? And put that on the schedule to learn this year. I mean, that's an awesome way to really motivate them and get them involved in their learning. All right, I have another question from Josh. Hi, Josh. There are so many options. Once you decide on an online school or do-it-yourself mixed curriculum, how do you narrow it down to figure out what to use? Uh, I answered that a little bit earlier in our uh, Facebook Live, but we have a great tool for this, Josh, on homeschool.com. If you'll go there in the top menu nav, there's curriculum, there's an option that says curriculum, it drops down and you'll see resource guide. Or you can scroll down on our homepage about midway down This is a tool we've developed to help you find a curriculum. So once you kind of have an idea of what you're looking for, if you want a relaxed style curriculum, if you want a more traditional curriculum, you enter in your parameters there in that resource guide, the curriculum finder, and it narrows down the curriculum, the homeschool curriculum that's out there and helps you see a handful of options that fit your parameters. And your needs, and then from there, I encourage everybody to dig into each one. Um, involve your kids if they're a little bit older; involve them so that they can get a look at it. Say, you know, they might look at it and play with it a little bit and be like, "Oh no, I don't like this." You know, that's great. That's great feedback because then you're not going to waste your money on a whole year's worth of curriculum your kid hates from the get-go. Um, so get your kids involved and help let them look at it ask for free samples, try it out as much as you can to see if it's really what you're wanting. All right, Um, how many days a week should you do school to cover the core curriculum? And I think I mentioned that a little bit. Sometimes um, we've done five days a week. Sometimes we've done a a four-day-a-week homeschool setup. And basically what you do is you just adjust your learning schedule to the four days, if that's what you choose to do. Um, there are so many ways that you can schedule your homeschool day. In fact, um, I try to stay on top of new new ideas and different ways to do it. Um, there are there are so many great ideas. There, are, some people use block scheduling where they'll do like a chunk of time, maybe two hours of math two days a week, um, and maybe their block on let's say, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they do math for two hours, and Tuesday, Thursday, they do language arts for two hours, but they block schedule hunks of time, and then that just go deep um, for two hours. Now, some kids can't do that. Some kids, that would drive them crazy, and they need to break it up. So, again, your homeschool is going to be unique and specific to your family and your child, and if you enjoy two hours and going deep, then do it. If you enjoy doing something different every few minutes, you might want to try out the loop scheduling idea, which is kind of cool. You make a list of everything that you need to cover during the course of the week. Um, And maybe, you know, I always like to, I always personally like to do math and a little bit of language arts every day, you know, like at least reading, um, going over spelling words, things like that. So. In my loop, I would keep set math and language arts first every day. And then the rest of the day, we would just loop through. So it's kind of like a batting order. So if I had math and language arts, science, history, art, spelling, um, PE, we would just go through that like a batting order. And until two o'clock today, at two o'clock, we are done, whether we finished it all or got through four. <laughs> tomorrow we would pick up at five and work through six, seven, eight. Um, And then once we finished our list, we would go back to the top and go through just like a batting order. And you just when you get to a certain time, you cut it off for the day and you're done. So there's so many cool ideas. Um, Another recent scheduling idea I saw was that about taper scheduling. So the beginning of the week, you do your heavy stuff. You do your big learning and you spend a lot of time on it and you taper off towards the end of the week. So maybe Friday is free. So, again, the sky is the limit. You have the freedom to be creative with your homeschool and do what fits your family. Um, more questions about that, but I think, okay, do you have to follow the state public school standards? That is a very good question. No, you don't have to follow your state public school standards. Although, as we talked about at the beginning of our time today, if you're wanting to get back in to the public school system at the end of the semester, at the end of the year, you might want to follow the state standards. Then that way you're covering what your, uh, your child's peers will be covering and when they go back into the school system, they'll be where they need to be. You know so that's an option um, but you have the freedom to change up what you want to want to learn your child if your child's in fourth grade she doesn't have to stick with just fourth grade subject matter she can they can go further faster they can be studying sixth grade when they're in fourth grade there's nothing wrong with that again unique to your child you decide what they need when they need it and how you're gonna do it um, Okay, so planners, we've already talked about that. Do you have to submit quarterly or semester curriculum to the state? Now that's a question I haven't heard very frequently, but it's a good question. Um, I have not heard of any states where you have to submit quarterly or semester curriculum. Um, I do know there are a few states where at the end of the year, you have to compile a portfolio of what your child accomplished. It's kind of like the proof is in the puddings kind of thing. Um, So you compile this portfolio of all your accomplishments and then you have a, oh, I forget the word they call it, but you have someone, a state recognized person who reviews it for you and kind of signs off on it. And so I know, I think Pennsylvania still does that. Um, My family lived in Pennsylvania for a little while when my sisters were young, and they homeschooled then. And they had to do that, which was very interesting. They were always so stressed out at the end of the year, gathering up this portfolio and taking it. At that point in time, they had to take it to the Board of Education for the county. Now they have these independent reviewers that, that do it, which is a little easier. But you know, I think every state's qualifications are slightly different, but I've never heard of quarterly or semester curriculums to the state. So I think you're good on that. Some people have been asking about organizing your day and making sure that your day is structured so that they don't get lazy and just fall out of practice of, you know, being used to doing school. Um, I think, again, that has to do you know, what you do and choose to do as far as your daily schedule really depends upon your family and the kind of people you are. You know, like we've said, some people thrive on that. And that's a real issue for them. You know, they feel like they have not done anything unless they have been very specific about their schedule and this, this and this today. Um, Other people just just aren't, you know, if they get it done sometime in the course of the day, then it's all good. Uh, And I think that's you know, that's part of the wonderful aspect of homeschooling is that you have this freedom to do that if you choose to do that. If you choose to um, homeschool and and you start homeschooling at 7 p.m., then that's fine because this is your homeschool. Um, I think the bottom line is, is your child learning? Is your child growing? Are they progressing? Are they you know, is every day a learning experience for that? What time you do it is, is really not relevant. So that is going to, you know, if you need to have expectations at, in, in your home or, you know, maybe you require your children to get dressed by nine o'clock and be in your school room and, you know, have some, some standards, then that is fine. That fits your homeschool and that is what you need to do. Um, But if you choose to homeschool all day in your pajamas, then that is fine, too. I think uh, as new homeschoolers, sometimes it's hard to wrap our minds around this enormous freedom that we have. And really, I think that's the bottom line (laughs) and all of the encouragement that I would want to give you. You know, there's so many things, you know, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to keep the kids learning. But bottom line, embrace this freedom that you have and understand that learning can take place in any situation it doesn't have to be at a desk it doesn't have to be at the kitchen table or in front of a book or in front of a teacher it can happen anywhere and that is that is what when once you can actually embrace that that is so freeing it is so life changing and really your view of education it's like it just opens up <laughs> into this un, unlimited possibilities. So I just want to encourage you as new homeschoolers to really embrace that. It's so important. Another question I've had, and this kind of, kind of comes back again behind that, but I just want to know if there are some textbooks I can buy and have my child work out of. I want to keep this very simple. My daughter's teacher told me I could purchase the school textbooks. Would those work? And then could I add other things to it? Now, of course, again, if you plan on going back to public school, this may be a route that you want to take. If your county or local area does not do virtual schools and the teachers aren't doing, you know, you decide to homeschool anyway, you could purchase those textbooks and you could do what your child would be doing in the classroom at home. Um, That would definitely work. And you can always, again, you have the freedom to choose what you want to do. So, yes, you can buy those textbooks and you can work through those. And of course, you can augment those textbooks with other things, online learning or experiments and fun learning with your child. I really encourage you to do that. Have a good time. Um, Do you have to buy teachers' editions to get started homeschooling? Absolutely not. I have gone many years without purchasing any teacher's editions. Um, I have gone some years where I purchased teacher's editions and never opened them. And then um, there have been a few times when I've purchased teacher's editions and used them. So elementary school, I would say rarely have I ever, ever used a teacher's edition. Now, high school, getting up into science, maybe history, Um, sometimes math, my bachelor's degree, I have a minor in math, so I love math. Math was not an issue for me, but I could foresee, you know, if if you're teaching high school algebra and you can't figure out this problem, the solution manual would be very helpful. I probably would not buy a teacher's key for high school math, but I would invest in the solutions manual, and they're two different things, um, but The solutions manual will will have every problem in the textbook worked out in full so that you can see how they got to the answer that is gold uh teachers teachers manual not not that big of a deal so yes i would say teachers editions when they're older and it's a little bit more difficult subject and another question is there an alternative to endless workbooks i think We've talked about it enough in, in this uh, Facebook Live that everybody knows there are many alternatives to workbooks. There's, oh my goodness, there's um, online learning, there's student-led discovery learning, there's so many fun things that you can do. And of course, homeschooling, when we're not quarantined, is a, a totally different animal, an amazingly fun animal, to say the least, um, where we've got Co-ops and support groups and wonderful groups at the library that you can meet with and you can do uh, fun things with. Because the library is not just about um, checking out books. The library usually has really interesting and fun programs that they sponsor. Things from art to science related, related um. Sessions and so I would encourage you once the quarantine is lifted and your library is open to get involved with those. Um, and so, of course, going down that path, I have a question about staying social. Um, I have I have an only child and it's really important she make new friends. So I'm very concerned about socialization. Um, she video chats with her friends, but is that enough? Um, I definitely would encourage you, you know, this is a strange time that we're in right now and it's it's difficult for everybody. You know, I, I don't get to see my friends like I would like to see my friends and I know our kids are feeling the same way. So let them FaceTime each other, let them video chat um, as much as you can. You know, really that's, there's not too many solutions right now if your state is in, in serious lockdown or quarantine. So it's just kind of one of those things that we have to work through. But once this is over and we've gone through this time and things open back up, please get involved in a local homeschool support group, your lo- a local homeschool co-op, or libraries, or uh, athletic rec leagues, or church youth groups. Get involved. Your kids will have a wonderful time. They'll usually meet other homeschoolers. We always have in all those different areas. We meet other homeschoolers and uh, they'll find friends. They'll find lots of people that are very much like themselves. And and you'll see that socialization in a typical normal environment, not a quarantine environment, is very full of socialization. And something I mentioned to somebody the other day who was not a homeschooler and they were asking about this, you know, the fact that our children as homeschoolers they actually socialize in a more complete way. They are socializing with older people, same age people, and younger people. And so in that, they have get, they're they getting a well-rounded experience in socialization, whereas a lot of our, our children that attend public schools, they're socializing only with people of their same age all day. And to me, that's really not true socialization. So just, just think about that for a while. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. Um, okay, high school. There's some questions about high school, and that's awesome. Um, so here is, here's a question. Is it possible to homeschool in elementary and then um, go to online school for high school? Now, I'm not sure if they mean go to virtual school for this, they weren't completely specific, Um, but of course, you can always homeschool for elementary school, and then you can go, go to virtual school, or you can go back to the public school for high school, or you can do online school for high school, and there are a lot of great online schools that you can enroll your child in for high school as well, Um, which makes it feel a little bit more like going to high school. Um, Of course, as we mentioned, there are dual enrollment options, which is kind of like, now when we do a dual enrollment at our house, we always choose courses that are online. So basically they're still at home, but they're doing online college work while they're in high school. And in Georgia, I would encourage all of you, if you have high schoolers and they they are, they seem to be pretty much ready to do this. I would do it. I would jump at it because it's free, completely free. Everything from the registration to the textbooks, everything is free for dual enrollment in Georgia. So it's a a great way to get college credits for free. Um, So what else about high school? Let's see, uh, standardized tests. So for homeschoolers, When you are, depending on your state laws, again, now some states require you to take some standardized tests. Georgia does every three years. We do a regular, like Stanford, uh, Otis Lennon, something like that. Um, But then when you get into high school, of course, you want to prepare for the ACT, the SAT, or the the new test that's out now, the CLT. And those tests are really important for getting into college. Now, if you're not going to go to college, I would not worry about it, but... Um, you know, I do kind of suggest to a lot of my friends, go ahead and take it just in case maybe two years from now they change their mind and they want to go back to college and it's there, it's already done and it's an easy process to get right in. Um, but yeah, you need those to get into college and really for the homeschooler, that's your ticket. You want to do really well on the standardized college entrance exam because you can get a good amount of scholarships from a good score on one of those tests. So I would encourage you, We what we did, it's kind of our practice here in our house, um, we take both, we took the SAT, the ACT, whichever one they seem to like better, then we went after that and we took that several times until they got to a threshold and their score repeated. And then I just kind of, okay, this is this is your threshold, you're done. So this is the score we used and we would send those off to colleges. So um, I would also do prep, there's some great free standardized test prep. In fact, um, homeschool.com just recently published an article with a free 15 week prep course. So you could even add that to your homeschool lineup this fall as a free resource that you can use as an elective. It works great. All right, before we, before we wrap it up today, a couple real practical questions I had. What are some essential homeschooling supplies that I would need? And of course, this is the perfect time of year to buy your homeschool supplies because uh, the department, the big department stores, they have them all on sale. They're dirt cheap right now. So, that is what I usually do for our home. I usually go and I buy a ton of filler paper, uh, spiral notebooks, and folders, and then a ton of mechanical pencils because I hate sharpening pencils um, and ink pens. And that's really basically all we need. Sometimes I'll buy three-ring binders, um, but, you, you know, those kind of last from year to year, so we don't always need those. But those are your, your basic supplies or what you need because, of course, you're always going to be writing something. So you need paper, pencils. Um, depending on what, what courses you're in, your, your student might need some graph paper. Um, and then, of course, you know your regular tools. If they're doing some math, a compass, and protractor a calculator if they're in the upper grades. And so you don't need anything really crazy. Um, If you have a room where you can homeschool, um, I would suggest getting your student a desk so that they can keep all of their supplies in one place so that they don't have to hunt for them when it's time to actually do some work. That saves time in the long run. Um, If you don't have a homeschool room and you do it at the couch or at the table, I would suggest one of those little rolling carts or maybe a big basket of some sort and keep everything that you need for homeschooling in it. It really does help to keep all your supplies together. Um, Trust me, I had six kids. My supplies would be spread all over this house if we didn't have a central location where, you know, place where they belonged, where they knew they needed to return them when they finished using them. So, practical tips there um, to help you keep things going and help you from getting frustrated every day when you try to start homeschooling. All right, so if you guys have any other questions, please feel free to continue to comment on this video and we will answer your questions. And if you would like to personally ask me a question, you can always email me at jamie.gaddy at homeschoolconnect.com. And I would be thrilled to help you with any question that you might have. Thank you, everybody, for joining our podcast this week. I hope you'll join us next week as we have a special guest named Melissa Webb from Right on Web who will be joining us. We can't wait to hear her story and the tips and advice she has for us as we homeschool. I hope you have a great week with Grace and Joy, Jamie.